0: Amen. Uh, If everyone could turn to me to Isaiah chapter 66. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. If you are there, say amen. No one's there. I haven't heard no amens. (laughs) Okay, if you don't have it, it's up there. Okay, Isaiah 66, verses 1 through 4, it reads like this. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. For whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a man, and whoever offers a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense, like one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways, and their souls delight in their abominations. So I also will choose harsh treatment for them, and will bring upon them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight, and chose what displeases me. So here Israel wants to build God. A new temple, right? So the thing is, God is putting things into perspective now. See, when we forget who God is, he's a great God. When we forget who he is in our lives, who he is, period, things get out of whack. Things just get out of order. And so God right here, he's kind of going to check them. He's going to put them in their place. He's putting things into perspective. You see, they're being prideful here. They want to build him a temple, this beautiful temple and they're being prideful about it. They're putting more faith, they're putting more trust, they're putting more value in this temple than they are God. And so here God is saying, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? See, this earth that's so valuable to us, you know, we value the cars, we value our career, we value the money, it's so so big. Some of us haven't even left Illinois I haven't even been to India. I'm going to go to India, right? It's just we don't know how, I mean, we know it's huge, but it's so beyond us. And this earth is simply, is nothing more but a footstool to God. It's just a place to put his feet when he wants to sit on his throne in heaven. You see, he's too big. These four walls cannot contain God. The biggest church in America cannot contain God. nothing we can build. There's nothing we can offer God. There's nothing that could contain him. He's too big. He's too large. You see, that's what makes it so hard for us to give him anything. You see, he's saying, where is the house you will build for me? You see, he made everything. We're only giving him what already belongs to him. So why, you know, he's saying, why are you making such a big deal? Why are you making such a big deal about it, building me this fancy temple? That I don't need a house. I don't want a house. I don't want a temple. That's not what I need. That's not what I want. That's not what I desire. You see? Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. I mean, just picture it. He's too big. Nothing can contain him. He's too awesome. He created everything. He created the earth. He created the heaven. There's nothing we can build, nothing we can offer him that he desires that would make him, wow, that's awesome. Thank you for giving me that. We're just giving, like I said, we're just giving him what what he already built. You see? He's too big for it. And Solomon understood that. You see, you go to 1 Kings 8.27, you see, David wanted to build him a house. But God, uh, for uh, reasons, did not allow David, King David, to build him that temple. He said, your son Solomon will build it. And so when Solomon finally built this temple, he's going to do a prayer dedication to it. And this is what Solomon says in verse 8, in chapter 8, verse 27, he says, But would God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this temple I have built. You see, Solomon understood that. You see, he built on this temple, a beautiful temple it was, but he understood that that temple cannot contain the almighty God. You see, David, you see, he wanted to build a temple, but God didn't let him. But in Psalms 27.4, what does he say? Turn there real quick. You don't have to turn it out. just read it real quick. In Psalms 27:4, he says, "One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple." You see, David wasn't trying to outdo God. He, he, he understood as well that God cannot be contained in his temple. He just wanted a place to meet with God. You see? One thing I ask, one thing I seek, the, the, the biggest thing for David, his greatest desire was that he could dwell in the house of the Lord, right? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. You see, it wasn't a religious thing for David. He just wanted a relationship with God. He wanted to, a place to build where he, man, I could just be with God every day. I could just meet with him, fellowship with him, just spend time with God. You see? The problem is with the, Israel, uh, the Israelites, they were building this temple, but they did it out of a religious attitude. It was empty. See, they put more value in this temple, more than they did than in God. You see, but this is what God says Earth is my footstool, right? Heaven is my throne. If I could just get there Isaiah 66. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? So you see, he's you see what he's saying. He's like, I don't desire that. He's like, Has not my hands made all these things? And so they came into being. Declares the Lord, but this is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. You see, he looks beyond this the fancy temple. He looks beyond this. uh, He looks beyond earth. He looks beyond heaven. You see, he doesn't desire that. But what he does desire, what he does want, is a person. A man of God, a woman of God, that is humble. You see, this is the one I esteem. This is the one that I value. This is the one that I desire. This is what I really want. This is what I want, is he who is humble, contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. See, that I do want. You see, your sacrifices, your offerings, all that stuff, I don't really want that. I mean, that's fine, but I don't really want, that's not what I really desire. I want a person, a man of God, a woman of God that is humble. That trembles at my word, that's contrite in spirit. What does it mean to be to be humble? It's just lowly, humble. You see, the opposite of humble is being prideful. God says that He opposes the pride. He opposed Satan when he got prideful. But he exalts the humble. Right? Humble being is the same thing being meek. The meek shall inherit the earth, right? Shall inherit heaven. I mean. In Matthew, in the Beatitudes. He wants somebody to be humble. You see, when you're humble, you're teachable. You see? Opposite of that, you're being prideful. You see, you think you know it all. You're, you can't. You're not teachable. You can't be. You can't. We can't work with you. God cannot work with you. If we can't work with you, how can God even work with you? When you're prideful, you see, He wants somebody who's humble. You see, that's when you, when God can just pour into your lives. When we can pour into your lives. You see, you receive. You're not prideful. You don't think that you know it all, because we don't know it all. I don't know it all. P. Joe doesn't know it all. You see, we're humble contrite in spirits contrite spirits being broken in spirit being poor kind of uh, contrite kind of ha- having that um, um, that conviction of sin you see knowing that you can't do it without God knowing that you need God's grace you need his strength to go on contrite spirit poor in spirit you see it uh, in psalms 51:17 if you could put that up there before that matthew 5:3 the poor in spirit shall inherit uh, the heaven see, contrite in spirit. Psalms 51.17, what does it say? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. Amen? Yeah. Tremble at his word. You see, we kind of get a, a different interpretation of sometimes what it means. Okay, you tremble at the word. Oh, yeah, we respect him. You know, yeah, you know, he's got, you know, we got to respect him. No, trembling at his word Means you are scared to death of his judgment. When you read his word, you are scared to death. If you are not, if you read this word and you're not living according to the word of God, you're scared. You're scared of his judgment. He will judge you one day. He's gonna judge you for your actions. When you're against him, he, he's gonna be against you and he's gonna judge you. When you read his word, I mean when you read it, what does it do? Is it just empty words? Do you allow it to change your life? When you read it, do you say, God, change me? When you read it, I'm not living according to it. God forgive me. Help me to live according to this. You see, there's examples in the Bible, in Second Chronicles 34:19, the story of, of Josiah, when the book of the law was lost, he found it, and when they read the words to King Josiah, it says that that he he, he fell to his knees. He was a, he was he trembled at the word of God. See the king, because. The Israelites weren't living according to the word of God. When he read it, he's like, man, we're not living according to this. And he trembled. Right? Another example in, in Ezra 9.3. You see, the Israelites weren't following the commands of God. And when uh, Ezra heard what they were doing, that they were being disobedient, what did he do? He said, when I heard this, I tore my tunic and cloak, pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down appalled. Then everyone who trembled at the words of God of Israel gathered around, gathered around me because of this unfaithfulness of the exiles. And I sat there appalled until the evening sacrifice. You see, he was appalled. He tore his tunic. He pulled out his hair because they didn't follow the words of God. You see, they trembled at the word of God. They honored it. They were like, man, if we're not living according to this, they were fearful of God's judgment. And now, obviously... Nowadays, we're not fearful, like the days, you know, of the Bible. You see, when they read the word, they allowed it to change They're like, I'm going to live according to this, or I'm dead. I'm going to be judged. I have to tremble at God's word. I have to honor him, respect him. You see, if you, Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commands. If you don't obey his commands, right, what does that mean? You don't love him. You see, it's all words. You see, everyone can say that they love God, but do they truly love God? could tell by the fruit. You could tell by the actions. Amen? Amen? So this is, let's back this up. God is saying, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. I'm too big for this. You know, nothing can contain me, right? I don't desire a building. I, there's nothing you could give me that I desire, that I want. But one thing that I do want, he who is humble, contrite in heart, right? And trembles at my word. You see? The temple if you could turn to me to John fourteen twenty three. So you see, just just imagine this right now. Just picture this, God is this great God, right? He's like the temple you're building me. I don't fit in it. I don't want it, right? I'm too big. This. This whole earth is just a footstool to me. It's just a place where I can rest my feet. You see, but what does he say here? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. If anyone loves me, He will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. You see, God's saying he doesn't want to live in the temple that they built for him. He doesn't want to live in there. It can't contain him. But he's saying, I will live in you if you receive me as Lord and Savior. You see, in in, in 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, we are the temple of God. We are the temple. You see, he doesn't want to live in some man-made temple that's built, uh, that's made with hands, dirty hands. He's like, I don't want that. I will live though in someone who is humble, someone who's contrite in spirit. I will live in someone who trembles at my word. You see, you are the temple of God. Amen. We are His resting place. Amen. We are His heaven. We are His throne. Amen. We are His footstool. Wherever we are, the temple of God. Picture that, this high and lofty God, as I say, as I say, fifty-seven, fifteen, the high and lofty God, the Creator of the world, who created us, who knows our future, who knows our ending. He lives in us. We are His dwelling place. We are His temple. So how are it to be? If we are the temple of God, you read the stories of how people. The uh, the, the high priest entered to the Holy of Holies. They had to do certain rituals. They had to clean themselves. And only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies because it was the Holy of Holies. Not anyone could go in. Not anyone could just touch the Ark of Covenant. They died. Good people. Our temple, you see God, We see our hearts, our lives, we are the temple of God. It should be holy. It should be clean. It should be pure. You see, if you call yourself a born-again Christian, and you're living foul out there. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how can you call yourself the temple of God? It should be holy. If the holy one lives in you, then the temple that he lives in should be holy. You see, you need to check yourself. Check your heart. Check your mind. You see, if God lives in me, there's a certain way I should live. is according to the word of God. You see, it's not the way I want to live. You see, there's certain rules. You know, sometimes people don't like rules. Well, people... Naturally, we don't like rules. That's just human nature. People don't like being told what to do. You know, it's human nature. But, man, the holy God, we are his temple. So if there's something dirty in our lives that shouldn't be there, we need to clean house. It's okay. Sometimes it could get dirty. You know, sometimes our house gets dirty. But what do we do? We clean it up. We don't just leave it dirty. We just don't leave it filthy, Right? If the floor is dirty, you know, Rachel can testify, (laughs) clean it up. You know, I'll clean it up. Vacuum, sweep the floor, throw out the garbage, right? You just don't leave it there, let it accumulate, get all filthy. You see, we are the temple. God, we are his dwelling place. This is where he rests. See, if there's something wrong, we just need to clean it up. We need to get rid of it. We need to throw away the garbage. You just don't leave it there, right? We need to change. So that is an awesome revelation that God lives in us that we are his temple. In verse 3, but whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a man, whoever offers a lamb like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns a memorial incense like one who worships an idol, they have chosen their own ways and their soul delight in their abominations. You see, now God is just downing them right there. He say, like, this is just an abomination to God. It is like smoke to his nostrils. But why? You see, the sacrifices that he's talking about here—there were sacrifices. If you read in the uh, you know Mosaic laws in the first five books, these are sacrifices that they were supposed to do. You know, certain sacrifices for sins and and, and uh, other sacrifices. These are things that God told them to do. So why is God saying now that it's is an abomination, is detestable to him? That he just is—he just doesn't even want it. Because. They were doing it religiously. It became religious to them. It just became a ritual. It's just something they had to do, something to do. They did it, but it was empty. God was nowhere involved. You see, the sacrifices. We have to ask ourselves, why do we come to church? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we fast? Why do we you know, pray? Why do we come to morning prayer? Why are we in a discipleship class? Why do we give our tithes and offerings? We have to ask ourselves that. Has it become religious to us? Is it just, do we do it because we have to do it, because P. Joe tells us to do it, because our leaders tell us we have to do it? Or do we do it because we love God? We do it because we just want that relationship with God, because we tremble at his word, because we know that it pleases him. You see, it became religious to them. It's just the was empty. All their sacrifices, all the things that they should do, it became, it's just detestable to God. As a matter of fact, it just added to their sins. You see, when we come here with a religious spirit, we come here Sunday mornings because we have to come. It's the right thing to do. You know, anyone could just fake the funk, right? Lift up their hands, worship God, pray an empty prayer. You know, it can sound maybe powerful to us, but God knows our hearts. You see, you could fool any one of us. I could fool you. You know, P. Joe can fool us, but God knows our hearts. You see, we cannot fool him. He knows if it's just religion. He knows if it's just empty. You see, God's just saying, you know, it's better if you just stop. It's better you just don't even come to church if you're going to come like that. It's better, man, just keep your money, keep your tithes and offerings. If you're going to come, you're just adding to your sin. It is detestable to God when you come with a religious spirit. In 1 Samuel 15, 22. Is what Samuel says. You see, I saw I thought he was doing something good. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. In Hosea six six, God is saying, I desire mercy and not sacrifice and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. You see, yeah, fasting is good. You know, you pray your one hour uh, a day and read three chapters a day. You know, okay, everything's going to have a good relationship with God. Yeah, that's good if you're doing it, you know, from the heart. See, but more than that, God's saying, man, I just want you to know me. I just want you to love me. I just want a relationship with you. You see, I, I don't want your sacrifices if you're going to do it with, with a religious spirit. You see, you know, I mean, we all know people that, okay, you know, I read my you know read my Bible, you know, a few chapters a day. I read a, uh, a prayer an hour a day, and that's good, and I live the way I want to live, right? You see, they were living, they wanted to live Christianity the way they wanted to. They wanted to do it their own way. But God's checking them. He's like, you don't do it your way. You do it my way. And he's saying here, you see, I want you to know me. That, that's better than sacrifice. You obeying me is better than, than uh then, uh, what was he saying in Samuel, then, then you know, your sacrifice and then the burnt offerings. You see, you could fast once a week, but if you're, if you're living the way you want to live, uh, you know, the rest of the week, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything to God. It, it's just a religious thing. It's nothing to God. You see, he wants you to obey his word. He wants you to love him, have a relationship with him. Amen. So also, in verse 4, I would choose harsh treatment for them and bring upon them what they did dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. You see, if you're not a God's team right now, you need to get in God's team. That's right. If you're not part of his kingdom, you need to be a part of his kingdom because there will right. become a time. You see, he said, I called, no one answered. I spoke, no one listened. You see, that's mercy. God's had having mercy on us. He doesn't need to call on us. He doesn't need to speak to us. You see, but as he's showing us grace and mercy. But there will be com- come a time when he's going to stop talking. He's going to stop calling. you. And as a matter of fact, he's going to encourage you to choose your own way. You see, and another version says, I would choose their own delusion. You see, the myths that you believe that P. was kind of talking about, explaining this morning. There's myths that people believe God's going to get, you no, know, he's going to turn you over to that. He's going to encourage you to believe that. He's gonna, you know, you want to do it your way? Do it your way. Then. I'm done. You see, now is the time. He said, now is the time. He's calling, right? Revelations 3.20, here I am. I knock at the door, right? He's knocking at our door. There's a way to avoid his judgments. There's a way to avoid uh, the, the rebuke and all that stuff. When he calls, you answer. When he speaks, you listen. It's that simple. It's not that hard. It's very simple. You see, see, the problem with Israel was I called, no one answered. He kept calling, he kept calling, no one answered. He kept speaking, he kept speaking, no one listened. See, that was the problem. When God is speaking, you listen. When he's calling on you, you answer. Very simple. It doesn't have to be hard. Let's not make it more complicated than what it is. When you know that God is speaking to us, you know, uh, through prayer or through our pastor or through our leader, just listen. Be humble. Tremble at his word. If you know if it's biblical, tremble at it. I need to obey. I need to live according to it. It's very simple. I so, Yes. We need to have the heart of David again to reiterate Psalms 27:4 what he really wanted was just to spend time with God to see him every day to spend time with him to fellowship with him you see don't let it don't let it become religious you know sharing my testimony I've been a Christian my whole life hex no I grew uh, you know I grew up with Hector in church and before before I even well like around nine or ten years old before that, I was going to church. As far as I remember, I was going to church. I was saved. I'm 27 now, and I still love God. You see, I, I don't buy the excuse that so many you know you hear you know the the testimonies or not testimonies but the excuses of so many Christians. Ah, oh, well you know it just gets old. It's just nothing new. There's, you know it's just it just gets boring. So they stop coming to church. It becomes religious to them. They just go because. Is the right thing to do. That, that's just a sorry excuse. I mean, I mean I've mean, i been saved my whole life. And I still love God more than I did before, more than I did last week. I still want to know him more. I don't know everything. I still want to know more about him. I still need his grace. I still need his strength. It doesn't get old. I mean, I don't understand. How does it get old? You see, it's not God that's the problem. It's y- you're the problem, really. When you hear that excuse, it's the person that's the problem. Because God, it's a relationship with him. He doesn't get old. It's fresh. It's exciting if you want it to be that way. It's it's really on us. That's a sorry excuse. I don't buy it. You know, I don't really have pity for people like that because here I am and uh, not being prideful, humble by the grace of God. I know I could have made some bad decisions, but I know that God protected me from that. Twenty-seven years later, as far as I can remember, I've been saved and I love God now. I want to know him more now, more than I ever had before. So God is a good God. He looks beyond what you can offer him. There's nothing we can offer him. You see, the things we offer him, they'll make a big deal out of it. Oh, we give him the tithes and offerings. We give him, you know, we, we fast or once a week or whatever. You see, we're just giving him what already belongs to him. He doesn't want that. He wants your heart. He wants your commitment. He wants you to know him. He wants you to acknowledge him as God. He wants you to love him. That's what he really desires. That's what he really wants. Forget about, the, you know, the things, oh, I want to do this for God. I want to feel good about myself. That's all he really wants. That's what he really desires. Remember, we are the temple of God. Not this church, not these four walls, not the church, you know, a block down, not Joel Osteen's church. We are the temple of God. We make up the church. So that's why everywhere we go, we need to represent God. We need to live holy. We need to live holy lives. And so I guess that's the challenge. I mean, that's the challenge. If there's something wrong in your lives, something that you need to clean, something, some garbage that you need to throw out, you need to throw it out. Right. Now, we're not saying that you're going to lose your salvation. I mean, if you keep doing that, maybe. Well, you need to clean house. Amen. The Holy One lives in your hearts. You should live holy lives. Amen. Don't give them a dirty room. Don't give them a dirty place to stand. We are the temple of God. Amen. If there's something wrong in your lives, I don't know, I guess that could be the the altar call. Challenge everyone. None of us are perfect. We're not perfect. You see, but you see when something gets dirty, what do we do? We clean it. Right. Just like our house. Our house, you know, is clean now, but eventually it'll get dirty, but we clean it up. Right. You see, as a temple of God, as his church, as his resting place, if there's something wrong, that is a challenge. If there's something wrong in our lives, not something wrong, but is there some sin in your lives? Something that you know you need to fix and, and change and maybe you could work on and get better? Some struggles in your lives? That's the challenge. I don't know. Someone play the piano? The <laughs> Rachel, please. Please, Rachel. <laughs> there you go. That's so beautiful. Really, just think about it. Just right now, just you know, forget about whatever the the laugh stuff. Just everyone could just yeah, close their eyes and just think about it. The God of heaven and earth, the creator of the world, the creator of the universe. He's too big for this house. He's too big for this building. He's too big for. For any mansion we could build him. He looks beyond his, his home in heaven. He looks beyond uh, his whole entire earth. And he looks through, and he looks towards a person. He looks to a person who is humble. He looks to a person who will, who will be obedient to his word, that will read his word and be obedient to it. That will a person that's poor in spirit. He looks to that person and he says, I will make my dwelling place in that person. I will live in that person. He will be my temple. She will be my temple. We are the temple. And it ought to be holy. It ought to be clean. We ought to live righteous lives. It's not the way we want to live. It's the way God wants us to live. It up, you'll make it good, you'll make it nice and clean. See, God has made his dwelling place in you. You are his resting place. You are his throne. You're his footstool. You're everything to him. He loves you. When he has mercy. He forgives. But we ought to aim for perfection. He said, Be holy as I am ought to live holy lives so right now I invite you to the front if there's anything in your lives that you know you need to just give to God anything in in your life that that needs to change any sins that you need to repent of and really that's a challenge for everyone that's for me we're not perfect see but we need to aim for perfection So that's the challenge. That should should really be everyone. That should be the whole church. Lord, make me holy as you are holy. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I haven't achieved perfection yet, but Lord, I'm trying. Lord, give me your grace. Give me your mercy. Help me to be holy as you are holy. Help me to live the way you want me to live. Oh, Lord, help me. Services. Help me to look beyond all that, the sacrifices, the things that I, I think that I do and it makes you happy. Lord, I just want to love you. Let that be our prayer. Lord, I just want to love you. I just want to know you. Lord, search my heart. Pray that right now. Search my heart, oh God. Search my heart. See if there's anything wrong in me. Maybe tell God, ask God to reveal if there's anything wrong in us. I promise you, we will. God, search our hearts. Search the hearts of your people. Search the hearts of your church, oh Lord. And see if there's anything wrong in our lives that we, we need to get rid of. That we need to throw away. Oh Father God, because we love you. We want to be obedient. I want to be holy, Lord, because you live in us. Lord, we're your temple, God. I want to be holy. I want to give you the best home. a good amount of time. God will be happy with me praying an hour. God will be happy with me just reading three chapters a day. It's better than reading one, right? We're tired of that. Oh, Father God, we just want to be led by your spirits. Holy Spirit, just take over our lives and lead us the way you want to lead us. We don't want to live the way we want to live. We're too foolish. Things get out of order when we want to do it our way. Oh, Father God, we want to do it your way. We want to do it your church. Not your praise. We want to do it your way, oh Lord. Because your way is the perfect way. Oh, Father God, help us, oh Lord. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of creation. You created everything, Lord. You are the God of wonders. But yet, Lord, you still live in us. You still come down from heaven. And you decided, I will live. I will live. Oh, I will live in you. Thank you, Father God. What are we? Who are we, O oh Lord? That you will do such a thing. That you will love us so much. Thank you, Father God. Let us not take it for granted, O oh, Father God. Let us never forget, O oh, Father God, that you live in us. You just don't stay here on Sundays. You don't just stay here and wait for us every Sunday, Lord. You, you live in us, oh, Father. You come with us wherever we're at, Lord. You come to us to work, to school. Wherever we go, oh, Father God, you're with us. Oh, Lord, help us to be mindful of that, Lord, Father God, and to live a life that would honor you. Live a life, oh, Father God, that will not corrupt the gospel. To live a life that will not, oh, Father God, shame your name, oh, Father God. But Lord, holy that is righteous, a life of integrity. Oh, Father, God, help your church be humble. Help your church be contrite in spirit. Help your church, oh, Father, God, tremble at your word, oh, Lord. Help us, oh, Jesus. Help us, oh, Lord, to be humble. Help us, oh, Father, God, just to seek your face, oh, Lord, like David. Oh, one thing I ask, one thing I desire, oh, Lord. Lord, to spend time with you, oh Lord, to dwell in your temple, to gaze at your beauty, to stand in all of your glory, oh Father God. That's all I want. Let that be our desire, oh Father God. To just spend time and not come to church because it's the right thing to, to do. We're not come to church for any other reason, but come to church to spend time with you, Father God. To be with you, O oh Lord, to fellowship with you, Father God to laugh and cry and, and be joyful with you, O oh Lord. Oh, Jesus. We love your Father God. Oh, we love you, Father God. And if there's anybody that's not on the team, if there's anybody that has not made in your life a temple for God, he's knocking at your door. He's calling. He's speaking. All you have to do is, is listen, call back, answer him. Open the door to your heart and receive Him in your life as your Lord and Savior. Because there will come a time when He's going to stop knocking. There will come a time when He will stop talking. He will stop speaking, calling out to you. Woe unto you on that day. God, have mercy on you on that day. Don't wait too long. Don't wait too long. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. love you oh father god we love you lord jesus thank you lord that you've made us your temple father god help us to live a life worthy of that lord oh jesus just cry out to god right now just seek his face just continue asking lord i just just, i just seek your face oh lord i want to be holy as you're holy help me oh father god Just praise Him and thank Him. Thank Him. Oh, thank You, Lord, for living in me. Thank You, Lord, for choosing me. Thank You, Lord, for having mercy on me. Thank You, Lord. Oh, Jesus. that I esteem oh right now he's esteeming us he, he's favoring us that, this is what he desires this is what he wants this is what puts a smile on his face this is what makes him proud of us when we just push all the religious things aside and we just say God I just want you oh I want God to esteem me every day I want God to be happy and pleased with me every day.